After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And then verse 8 said, And the four and living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. That's Bible, y'all. That's Bible. That wasn't just a good song. We were singing the word. What John saw, he wrote. And what he wrote, we can sing. And this morning, I hope it was more than just an emotional interlude for you. I hope indeed your heart sings what the word says as John witnessed what God called him up to see. And that one day we will be called up and we will see. And we will gather around the throne. And like that music group is where their name came from, we will cast our crowns, casting crowns before him. Because we know those crowns only came from him. Y'all, if Jesus isn't the focus of our worship, we are worshiping ourselves. And we thank God. Thank God for you, choir, for musicians, for all of you guys, for leading us in worship to see who Jesus is and you may worship in different levels of intensity that's okay the deal is what God is saying in your heart you better express it and you better let it come out so that he can be honored and not only what you say we know we worship God best by how we live we worship God best by how we live amen Good morning again. Glad to be before you. We're going to jump right into our word. If you um, don't have your Bibles, you can turn. You can look in the centerfold of your bulletin. Um, it is Matthew chapter 12. For many, they see this and said, "How on earth is this going to be a Sunday morning? We don't even celebrate technically the Sabbath. Why are we going to be reading about it?" Well, hold on for a minute, and let's see what the Lord has to say. And how it applies to us. We know that all of his word, right? We know all of his word is fit for good use. What did Timothy say? 
all scripture is inspired by God. And then he said, and is profitable. And then he tells you how it's profitable. But the issue is all scripture, even the names that you can't pronounce because we don't have Hebrew names, even the names are inspired and even the names are profitable because of what they're showing you. So this morning I'm going to ask you to stand as we read um, verses 1 through 6, actually 1 through 8, I think, and then you may have on 1 through 6, and then I'll, the last two is trying to see what we could fit in there. Let's read together, starting at verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Father, I pray that as we hear your word and that as it's proclaimed, one, it would be proclaimed with the strength and power of the Holy Spirit behind it, but it would be received, O Lord, as the word of the Lord, as it is preached from the word. And may we ask, what shall I do in light of what I've heard? We ask you this in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. It is that last one for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. As Mark says in his account on this, he said that meant that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And that's our title of our, of our, of our message today. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And for us, what we understand and as we see the tie-in with the previous verses because that's what that at this time at that time is telling you. Matthew wrote that quite a bit, and it was a general phrase that was telling you, I'm continuing the thought of what I just finished. And what he just finished was 29, and he was talking about the yoke that the Pharisees and that sinful men try and give you to place on you. And we know for yoke, some of us don't quite understand that, that a yoke was that instrument that allowed cattle to walk together to do a job and to plow the fields. And so they put a harness around that kept them kind of under control on task and on mission. And they did it with others. So there were people that were yoked together. There used to be a phrase that people use. They don't use them a lot now. They were talking about we are yoke fellows. These are people who are tied together on a similar mission, working together. Um, that's kind of an older phrase we don't use today, but it came from that that whole idea that a yoke was meant to put you into a, a controlled position by the one who held the reins so that you could walk where they wanted you to walk and accomplish what they wanted you to accomplish. So Jesus in those previous verses talks about um, coming unto him and learning from him um, because 
because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he was saying that the yoke that I place on you is not like the yoke of men and especially of these Pharisees around you. And they place on you a yoke that they themselves, he says later in the Gospels, that you yourselves can't even bear. You throw it on them. And that is the, that is the climax of hypocrisy. You throw a standard out on other people that you yourself are not living up to. And so he says to them, my yoke is easy and my burden, because that yoke did carry some burden. There was some weight of that yoke. And there is a burden in walking with Christ. He does place some requirement and he does place some weight on us. So it is not this effortless, Jesus is just love, y'all, and I can just coast through life. No, it's going to be weighty sometimes and it's going to be heavy sometimes. But he says it is light, light in comparison to what you could have if you didn't have me and light in comparison to what you can handle. And so he sets that up, and then Matthew tells us at this time, and what he's telling us is, I'm continuing the same thought. We don't know when this happened, but Matthew was tying it together so you don't lose the idea he's just shared. And the idea he's just shared is this issue of yokes being heavy and light. And then he says, at this time, Jesus was walking through the grain fields. And as they were walking along and probably had been walking for a while, they got hungry. I mean, there was no places to stop for a snack. There were no fast food restaurants. There were no hamburger joints. There were no places where you go, hey, man, let's just pull in and get a drink. There were no convenience stores, no gas stations where you can stop and grab something really quick. And so as they were walking and as they were allowed to do, they were walking through a grain field, which was most likely not theirs. There was wheat that was growing, and they would pluck them. And Luke tells us they would rub them in their hands. Why did Luke give that detail? Only a doctor would give that detail. But Luke gives that detail. They were rubbing them in the hand because you would have to rub the husks away from the kernel, and then you would take the kernel and you would eat it. And that's how in that agrarian society where they grew wheat that they would get a snack. And you wondered why they lived so long. They weren't snacking on chips and dip. <laughs> they were snacking on wheat. And it wasn't wheat that had been, um, um, what is it? Genetically modified, right. And so they didn't have the gluten intolerance. You know what I mean? So, so here's my deal. They were pulling the wheat as they were going along, rubbing them and eating them as they were allowed to do. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to read to you where they got that allowance from Deuteronomy 23, actually, verses, I'm going to read verse 24, and then I'm going to read verse um, 25, which is our text, but, I mean, which is our verse I want you to say and, say, and so as the giving of the Lord was, I mean, the giving of the law was being finished, it says, if you go into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes as many as you wish, but you shall not put any in your bag. I like that. He said, look, if you're hungry and your neighbor have grapes, go ahead and help yourself to it, but don't, take, don't get a take-home bag. What he was saying is that it was okay for your neighbor to help if you were hungry and there was nothing else around, you could grab and take it. And then verse 25 says, if you go into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand but you shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. In other words, you may take some for yourself, but you may not take it and go into business on your neighbor. 
that you go and you take all his wheat, talking about I need it. And the thought there was that your neighbor was responsible to help take care of you if you had no other options and you had a need. Today, boy, we'd be ready to shoot someone. What are you doing in my yard, dude? Taking my grapes. As a matter of fact, where we used to live, when we lived in Switzerland, it was a, it was a known rule that if, because people had cherry trees there, and when the cherry season came, they would hang over their walls. And anything that was hanging over the wall and you could reach, they would let you take. And there was some good cherries. You know, I wanted to get a ladder, but somehow I didn't think that would defeat the rule. To get up on a ladder. And, but, but if you walked by, and we, would, we were going somewhere one time, and it was hanging over the wall. And someone said, it's okay. And so we grabbed the cherries and then ate them. And it's that same principle is that it was okay. And so here they were doing something that the law allowed, but it was on the Sabbath. Now, I have to say something about the Sabbath with that. I have to say something about the Sabbath is because I don't think here in Western society, and especially in America, we don't quite understand the importance and the significance to that century Jewish individual of what the Sabbath meant. And now we know that it was, it was instituted and created by the Lord. And the Lord on that day, on the seventh day when he was created, he rested, not because he was tired. Not but whew, I've been creating worlds, man. I need a break. No, but because he stopped, he rested, he completed, and he allowed that to be a day for us of reflection on what had been created and what had been done by the Lord. It was one that was given for us to stop and to ultimately to worship. And so, of course, we know from the commandments, he says, six days shall you work, but on the seventh, on the Sabbath, you shall worship. And some today will say, well, well, Sunday's not a Sabbath, so what are we doing? Well, it came about that at the resurrection of Christ, which was after the Sabbath, that we began to worship on what was known as Resurrection Day, which was the day after the Sabbath, which would be today. And that's how that started for Sundays. But the issue becomes for us is it's still a day of rest and recognizing and reflecting on who God is together corporately and worshiping. And so there were, there were lots of rules that were given. There were two defining things that distinguished the Jews, among others, but two that were critical for them, that, that distinguished them from the other nations of the world. The first one was circumcision, and not everyone could see that. But the second one was the Sabbath. Those were the two things that were given to them, instituted by the Lord, that would allow them to rest in their Jewishness and their being chosen and selected by God. And so the Sabbath for them became that holy thing. And then the temple attached to it became the holy place. And just like anything else, when it is grasped by the hands of sinful man, we turn it into an idol. And that's what the Sabbath had become. To them, the Sabbath had become 
nothing more than it was this shrine. It was this thing that told them that they were Jewish, God's chosen people. And although it was meant as a day of worship and reflection and the day in which they were to carry out what the Lord had wanted them to do, it had become this mark of status. It had become a box to check off. And we're still doing that today. Yeah, I go to church. I may have partied like a rock star the night before. But I better be in church in the morning. And some of y'all know that's how we grew up. I, I remember my cousins in the South because, I mean, wait, that, that wasn't us because my mom wasn't playing that. And so um, when we would go down to visit my cousins in North Carolina, and um, I mean, be partying hard, boy, I don't care how late they stayed out, three, four o'clock in the morning. If they were in church with red eyes, they were in church with red eyes. They were, you better have been, and they would tell you, my mama said, I better be in church on Sunday morning. And, and, and the good thing is that they are where the word of God can be preached most times. The bad thing is that you begin to think, I can live like I want, and I get a get-out-of-jail-free card when I go to church. And in essence, the Sabbath had become like that for them. The Sabbath had become that thing to where it was a holy day, but it did not encourage them to be a holy people. Why do I know that? Number one, when I look at that, first point on this is that they had the wrong perspective of Jesus and the scriptures. And that started by, they were looking for the wrong things. It says they were walking through the grain fields and plucking wheat, and the Pharisees saw them. You know, my question is, what, what, what were y'all stalking them? What were you following them? I'm, I'm, I'm like, how did you see it? Telescopes weren't invented back then. How on earth did you see this group plucking wheat as they walked along? And the issue was this was a group that at this point was so in opposition to Jesus, they wanted to find whatever they could to speak out against him. And so they were going to use their high and holy rules and laws to do it. Do you see the problem? And we have people like that today. There are people today that they want to make sure you know that they are living according to the rules or that they have the status because I, I fulfill all these check boxes and y'all don't. And so they have the wrong, the wrong perspective of both the scriptures and Jesus and we'll see and the wrong intent of them all. And so they were, wherever they were, they were in proximity to see Jesus and then walk along looking for something to find that they do wrong. Are you ever around people like that? Boy, they are tough to be around. They are always looking for something that you do wrong. They are never wanting to encourage you. They, they, they don't see the fact that you are following Jesus. That's the fact of the disciples that he, they missed the point that they were following Jesus, but they had the wrong perspective of Jesus anyway. But the only thing they saw is that this particular law they thought that they were breaking of working on the Sabbath. Now, there, were, there had come to be 39 different categories of prohibition of working on the Sabbath. Boy, they had this thing on lockdown. You could not do, it was a whole list. They, they had 39 different, and one of them was you couldn't work. 
Now, the problem was with these guys, they were not farmers. And so they weren't trying to get just a little grain harvesting on the sly. They were trying to eat some food because they were hungry. And we see that the law given again, and what is in Deuteronomy, allowed for that. But they didn't see that. The only thing they saw is that y'all are breaking the law. Y'all aren't doing what you're supposed to do. Hey, you aren't supposed to be chewing gum in church. Now, I'd appreciate it that you don't because it gets stuck on the carpet and, and under the chairs, but we get all beside ourselves. You aren't supposed to be drinking that. As a matter of fact, what are you doing wearing that? Them colors are too bright. And you can go on down the line. And we have people that get so hung up into something that a person may be doing wrong. Now, do not get me wrong. There are things that the Bible are clear about that we should avoid and stay away from, and there are some things that we need to be aware of when it comes to things like modesty and other things. But instead, we have the temple police that like to stand outside and to tell you what you're not doing as you enter temple. Hair's too long, dress too short, lipstick too, too bright, hair not cut enough, hat too thick. I mean, we can go on down the line. And we, mine, we, we major in the way down minors. And this was the group that was doing that. That was that group that, okay, you could come to church dressed totally, quote unquote, approved, and they will find something. You can come with everything seemingly right and something would be sought out. Why? Because the perspective was, I'm not looking to encourage you in your walk in Christ. I'm looking to criticize you because you don't have everything right like me. And the only problem was they were so blind they couldn't see their own faults. As a matter of fact, with that wrong perspective, Jesus hits them up and says, look, you have the, not only do you have the wrong perspective of me in the scripture, number one, you don't understand me because had you understood me, you would understand that I'm ushering this kingdom in which the Sabbath and all the laws and other things pointed to. They didn't understand that. They didn't understand that Jesus was the culmination of the law, that everything that scripture prophesied and said about him, I mean, pointed to him and he was standing in front of them, that he was the fulfillment of it, meaning that, that, that all that was intended in it, Jesus was the one that now fulfilled it. He was the focus of what everyone was writing about and talking about, and they missed it. All they saw was that Jesus was ruining their good thing. See, they had a good thing. We talked about this chapters ago, that they had the people duped. They had the people under their control. They had the people thinking that they were the most holy, right reverends, and those who always got it right, and you little, you little peons need us to make sure that you live right for God. And they had them all fooled. And Jesus came and exposed every last one of them, and they got mad. They were like, what you doing, Jesus? You messing up our thing. Well, the thing was messing up the people. 
but they weren't concerned about that. And they're still showing their lack of concern. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath because the Sabbath was made to point toward and to help you to reflect on him. And so they had the wrong perspective of Jesus and of the scriptures because the intent of that law was not that a person would not grab a bite to eat and that they would die of hunger if it happened to be the Sabbath and they hadn't eaten in now two days, too late, third day, you're just going to die because you're not supposed to grab anything. You're not supposed to extend your arm. You're not supposed to say anything. You, you know what? You're just supposed to stand there and die. And the rule was misunderstood. Why do we come to church? Why do we do what we do here? For some of us, it's just a rule. Hey, that's just what you do on Sunday mornings. My day ain't right if I don't go to church. And I ask the question, well, why ain't it right? Because you didn't come or because you didn't have a chance to fellowship and reflect and worship and sing and to hear from the Lord. If that was the reason, no, then I understand that. But if it's because you are out of your routine, I would tell you you're kind of treading on dangerous ground because if all it is is a routine, routines can change. And you get into a new routine and you happen to miss three Sundays because you're away and you're in work. And then three or four Sundays in, I'm in a new habit. I might as well just keep that up. I ain't coming. See, the issue was, why do we gather? Hebrews tells us don't forsake the assembling, the gathering. Why? Because it is there that you find encouragement. It is there that you hear the word of God taught, hopefully, and instructed. Where it, is, it is there where you express your gifts that God has given. It is there that you uh, allow yourself to be a part of someone else's life and you help them to grow. It is there that you allow people to pour into you. And you keep your eyes and your mind on more than just yourself. Why do you come to church? Why do you gather? And when we come, are we looking to see what people are and are not doing? Or are we looking just to worship the Lord together? Yeah, I may not have it all together. I might be having a bad day. And that's why you are there to encourage. And some comes with a song. Someone else comes with a psalm and with a, with a praise and, and, and someone with a prayer and someone with the word. What is the intended meaning so that you leave better? You know what? One of the indictments against the Corinthian church, and I read it all the time when we get ready to take the Lord's Supper, uh, Supper. one of the indictments was that when they gathered together, it was for the worse and not the better. I'm like, how on earth can people gather under the Lord and in his name and it ends up being worse for me? And that's what Corinthians 11 was talking about. It was, you guys, it ain't helping. They would have been better off staying home than coming into the mess you guys have got going on. That's what he was telling them. And so in essence, he's saying here, boy, on the Sabbath, on that day of rest and reflection, they were looking not to encourage, boy, they were looking to harm. They were looking to, to, to embattle. Boy, they were, they were picking up the battle axe and was like, we're just, we're just waiting for you to do something. And that attitude is what Jesus is going to speak to next. And so what he does to them, he says, you have the wrong perspective of Jesus, then you have the wrong understanding of the scriptures. 
And he says to them, have you not read? And boy, I'm sure that just put them on blast and on notice. Because these were guys, understand the Pharisees were those that handled the law. If anyone should have known any of the intricacies of the law, the in and out, the up and down, the exceptions, it should have been these guys. And so he turns to them and says, well, hold on a second. Y'all ain't read? We're David. And what he was doing is that he was placing now priority there. What he was saying is that David, even as the great king that you honor and that you hold high, uh, he did uh, more than what I, and he's going to say, who is greater than David, has done, and yet none of y'all are speaking out against David. He said, David, that when he was with his men and they were hungry and they came into the, um, in, to the temple, 1 Samuel chapter 21, when he came into the temple, they had no food, and so he took the, the bread that was on the table that was prescribed by God that was to be there all the time, and it was set out according to the law of God that he came in and his men were hungry, and the priests gave him food to eat because that's all they had. Well, he broke the law because that food was only to be eaten at times by the priesthood, by the Levitical priesthood, not by David nor his men. He said, haven't you read that? In other words, you should have. You should have known that, fellas. And you over here talking to my disciples about plucking kernels of wheat. And David walks into the temple, standing before the Holy of Holies, and eats the bread that God ordained only for the priests. What's your problem? And then he goes further and he says, also, have you read? Have you not read? Verse 5, or have you not read in the law how, the, how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? And we may not understand that. You know what they're actually saying with that? He says, you were not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but the priests were working on the Sabbath. But they were required to. And that's why he said they were guiltless. Why? Because the temple laws protected them for breaking the Sabbath law. They were working on the Sabbath. I work on Resurrection Day. While most men, in our society today, we don't separate them. People have to work at times on Sunday and Saturday and whatever. Um, but but it, was, it was a day of work for them. Although they were leading in worship, it was work. And Jesus said, have you not read where the priests are regularly breaking the Sabbath because they are working, but they require the work so the temple laws shield them from it? And he's saying, you guys don't even understand your own scripture. You are so bent on calling people out, on putting people on blast. You are so disinterested in the, in the strengthening of people. You are so disinterested in people growing in their relationship with God. Why? That you can't even see that you don't even understand your own laws. And it will say to us today with people, look, you are so busy calling people out that you aren't even living the words yourself. Stop it. He said, you are so busy sizing people up and seeing if they are worthy of your church service and worthy of your presence that you miss the fact that you are out of line with the Lord. And so then he says here to him, he says, okay, 
He says, look, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And so he goes from the wrong perspective of the scriptures to the right perspective of the scripture and the Sabbath. He says, look, what y'all don't get, and some version says someone greater, and that thing is someone, someone greater than the Sabbath is here because the Sabbath was meant to point to me. He was saying, missed it. Here's what he's saying. If you're coming to church, it's just for coming to church's sake, and you're coming to worship isn't to gather under the greater one of the worship, the one who the worship is supposed to be centered on, the very reason why you come, the very reason why you gather. If Jesus is not your reason, you are going to find fault somewhere. Music was too slow, that this was too fast, and why didn't he wear a tie today? Because I didn't want to. Or why is he wearing a tie today? Or why does she have? And see, when Jesus is not the focus, you will find other things to focus on. And that's exactly what these guys, Jesus wasn't their focus. So they had to find, why? Because they didn't like Jesus. They had to find something else. But the problem was, your hatred was so strong and your opposition was so strong, you couldn't realize you were never going to win with this guy. He would always come with an answer that would clear the air, that would shut it down, that would clarify. And so he comes and says, look, someone greater than the temple is here. Understand the whole point of the scriptures. Here was the point to this. This isn't a point of grace versus works. The Pharisees' total approach to the law was wrong. Their approach to the law was it was meant to be this status builder, this framework of sizing people up. It was to be something to be used to hurt and to or to keep people in line or to make them realize my superiority as opposed to the intent of it was to help and was to cause people to grow. The reason the word is preached is so that it would cause people to grow. The reason we gather is to cause people to grow in their relationship. The reason that God gave the word of God is so we would be stronger Christians. Not that I would sit there with my chin and go, mm-hmm, messed up, messed up, messed up, messed up. Lord, these are a bunch of people, boy, I'm telling you. He said, that's not the intent. And yet, that's what it has become for many. Why? Because Jesus is not the focus. See, when Jesus is the focus, I have a hard time focusing on the faults of others because I'm so busy looking at mine. It doesn't mean that I don't point them out or I may not help you through it, but the whole attitude that I come to you with is totally different. I'm not coming sizing you up. I'm not coming trying to put you down. I'm realizing God is working on this mess and he's allowing me to help you to work on your mess and you to work on mine. Why? Because the word was meant to grow us all as we walked in obedience to Christ. And then he says, let me give you the right perspectives of the, Christ, of the scripture and of him. 
that he had all authority. When he said someone greater than the temple is here, he was like, look, I am the one that govern what goes on. And if I change it, I can because I have that kind of authority. And then lastly, it's the right relationship to people. He says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And in Mark's gospel, verse 28, he says that the Sabbath was made, I mean, man, I said, the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. What did he mean by that? He was telling him, look, the Sabbath was to be used as a tool, a vessel, and an avenue to help people to draw closer to Christ. This time of worship is not meant to, to go, okay, let me see who's here. Let me see who's not. I need to be making a call. And if I call, it's not because I'm trying to slam. Is if I haven't seen you, I want to make sure everything is going okay with you. And others may want to do that as well. But if it's, if it's hey, man, you haven't been checking that box lately, it's in the wrong place. He said the Sabbath was made for man. It was made to help men and women to focus their hearts and their attentions on the Lord. And then he said, not man for the Sabbath. You know, we weren't created. We weren't created to come to church. Some of that is messing with y'all. We weren't created to come to church. Why were we created? To worship God. What does gathering together as a church does? It is a vehicle used to help us to do that. But if the only time you worship God is when you come here, you are missing six other days. And so what he's telling us is I have given it as a way to help you, help you what? To see who I am, help you to, to grow in me, help you. And so treat it like that. Don't come in with the battering ram or with the Louisville slugger and you are ready to hammer whoever is out of line. Find out why they may be out of line. As a matter of fact, check your standard. You may be out of line. They may not be. Because that's what happened with the Pharisees. Their standard was so messed up, they didn't realize they were out of line. And the issue becomes for us, God says, look, check this. Check yourself and check how you're helping people. Jesus had compassion for people and that the law was meant to help the people to be in line with who God is and what he wanted. And now that grace came and that Jesus was always concerned with people first, always but that people would walk with God according to the scriptures. And that's why he could allow them to pluck some wheat. That's why he could allow them to see to do, seem to do some things that were out of line or that y'all might not have liked because it was helping them. Let me ask you, are you helping one another when you come to worship? Or are you sizing people up? Are you helping one another when you come to worship or are you hindering people by the way you are with them? Are you helping one another when you come to worship or are you out of line with your standard because your standard is either totally in left field, you don't, you don't know God's word or you are misinterpreting God's word. See, the issue becomes God is saying, look, 
I gather y'all together so that all of you together can worship me. Not so that you can turn around and look at one another and size them up and go home and talk about it and to talk about what's not happening and what's going on. God said, you missed it. You should have stayed yourself home. Would have been better off. But for you and I today, boy, this lesson for me, it tells me, God says, look, dude, who are you helping when you come? And how are you being helped? Who are you focusing on when you come? The issue becomes when God wants us all to grow and to help to grow. Because that's what he desires for us. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not Lord over Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Father,